listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future, and you can find my work at Astros Future and find me on Twitter at Astros Future. And I'm your co-host, Brian Hamilton. You can find me on Twitter at BHAM1720. And be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account at Apollo HOU, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So today on the Astros Future Podcast, we're going to look into the system now that the uh, minor league baseball has gotten started. So talk about how some of the prospects have performed, talk about the big league club some, and then answer some uh, Twitter questions. So we'll go and get right into it. May 4th this past Tuesday, first minor league day since, you know, September 2019. Uh, man, it was nice just to like sit there, turn on MILB.TV and just and just watch some minor league baseball. I, I don't know. I don't know what your take is on it. I mean, I know you like watching baseball too, but man, it just like I went out to my back patio, put my laptop on, on my, on my uh, you know, little table out there and just enjoyed the weather and enjoyed watching, you know, baseball, uh, you know, minor league baseball again. Oh, yeah, dude, absolutely. And I'm especially pumped that we have our AAA team just 45 minutes away from us pretty much down in Sugarland. So I uh, haven't made it out there yet. It's only been one week, but but still really pumped for minor league baseball to be back and even more pumped that we have one so close to us. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be fun to, you know, take a trip down there. It's, you know, I used to I would go to the Hooks a few times a year, but it's going to be awesome just to take a drive up to Sugarland to go see a game on a, on a Friday or Saturday night. So on the Skeeters, uh, they're currently three and one. Uh, the, the offense has been phenomenal so far. Um, we'll talk about some of the stats here, but like, you know, I was, I was looking at some of the numbers and, and they played in Albuquerque, which is like a, a hitter's paradise. But, you know, like we talked about right before we got on, you, you play what's in front of you. And so far they've been tearing the cover off the ball. We, we got a couple guys that we can hit on uh, for, for one, Ronnie Dawson. We talked about him as a player mm-hmm. to watch because, you know, he's got a lot of speed, a lot of power, can play all outfield positions. And uh, he's hitting three, like 375 right now. And he's got seven walks in just four games. He's got a homer, a couple doubles. Um, you know, just really nice to see a guy like him get off to a real hot start. I mean, really the whole team has, but he's a guy that, you know, maybe gets a chance to come up at some point in the season. Yeah, especially since, what was it, last week or the week before last, whenever we uh, talked about him for a little bit and we discussed how he can pretty much play any position other than catcher. You know I mean? Like he's played everywhere all over the field. Um Uh, Just this week alone, like you and I were just talking about earlier, he's already played left field, right field, and I believe a couple of infield positions in just the one week that they've had minor league baseball so far. So, yeah, and it's going to be exciting, but Ronnie's a guy who could get called up. I mean, if anyone gets hurt, no matter what position they're at, just because he has that versatility. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, so he's a guy, you know, especially if if Straw continues to struggle, which I know we'll we'll talk on that a little later on. we got a, a question about that. Um, but if he if he continues to struggle to get on base, they may look at pulling up a guy like Ronnie Dawson and giving him some extended at bats. So another guy that I yep. think it, it's just nice to see these kind of performances because we know eventually, you know, with, especially with the COVID stuff, um, that we're going to end up having people that are either you know going to get uh, get you know they're going to have the the contact tracing or something, and we're they're going to miss uh, you know seven to ten days like we've seen in the past. So Taylor Jones, he's a guy that can play yep. first base, has played a little third base. 
but today he went two for four, had a home run, and his batting average actually dropped. He's hitting 636 of the first, like, four games, five walks, only struck out once, um, driving in a ton of runs. Like I said, I know it's I know it's Albuquerque and the, the ball flies there, but really nice. The walk-to-strikeout ratio, I feel like, is something that, you know, you can definitely look at. If I understand you play in a, a place where the ball flies, but if you're drawing walks and you're limiting the strikeouts, I feel like you're seeing the ball well, and we're seeing that so far from him. Yeah, limiting the strikeouts is key, and especially if you're drawing walks and you're getting good plate discipline like he has, um, that's definitely a plus. Uh, we saw a little bit of him last year, so, you know, uh, he's another guy. You know, you, you never really know what any of these guys could actually be until they get a, an extended stay. But, um, but yeah, he's another guy that already one weekend, like we said, Albuquerque, the ball does fly out, but you play the schedule in front of you. I mean, I'd rather the ball fly out when it's supposed to than sit there and, you know, have 20-some-odd strikeouts over a weekend series as a team. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And another guy that uh, we got a question about, which we'll get to uh, later, but Jose Siri, he, you know, he's played all over the outfield as well. Um, he went two for five today. He's hitting 450. He's already drove in nine runs in just four games. And another guy that uh, is having some some solid at-bats down in AAA um, could potentially be up. You know, the Astros had him in spring training, and he, he didn't play too well in spring, but he's a 25-year-old outfielder and a, a guy that, the Astros may look to potentially call up if they need help, like I said, if, if Straw struggles or with the COVID situation. So just a lot of really strong performances so far. Um, I, I don't have the, the full numbers on me from, from if you added in today's game, but coming into today, the, the t- uh, Skeeters as a team were hitting 389 and more walks right. and strikeouts. I mean, they are I mean, the, 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 the overall offense is just is just looking really well. And, you know, it's you don't have any of the top prospects. You know, you don't have a uh, – Pedro Leon or a Jeremy Pena on this current roster right now, but they're all, you know, at 24 to 26 range. And um, those guys are, you're going to need to come up and help at some point. And so far they're proving it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, we do have a question about Jose Siri, so we'll get into him a little bit later on, but just the fact that overall as a team, the triple a squad, I mean, offensively, they did really well this week. It's a good sign. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, Talking about Albuquerque and about it being a hitter's hitter's paradise. So you go go look at some of the pitching. Man, you wonder how some how the pitching fared this week. Brett Conine had a, his first start of the season. Uh, really good 2019, made it all the way up to double A. I know Jim Callis mentioned him last week when we talked with him. Uh, but his first start of the season and went five and two-thirds innings, gave up one run and struck out five. And that's in the hitter's paradise. You know, so a really good start for him. Uh, um, Tyler Ivy also made his first start this week. Uh, he did allow three runs, but he struck out seven in four and two-thirds innings. So, so some solid performances so far on the pitching side as well. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, like, that, that's a good point. You know, just because the ball's flying out offensively, we got to see what our guys are doing too um, whenever we're pitching. And, and, yeah, I mean, looking good, especially with Conine, just like Callis said last week, one of the guys that we had written down that we didn't even really tell him about ahead of time uh, as a name to watch, and he already had it pegged. So um, that's definitely going to be a name to watch for all Astros fans. So we'll go ahead and jump down to Double A now, and, and we'll look at the hooks. And with their loss today, they're sitting at two and four. But the the primary, um, I guess, headline so far this season is you know everyone is really excited to see to see Pedro Leon and see how he performed. And you know their Astros are playing him at shortstop, and um, you know we talked with Jim Callis about you know he raved about him about his tools and everything. Well, so far it's only been five games, but he, he's one for nineteen with eleven strikeouts. So. I definitely won't make any rush judgments on a guy after five games. We see players go through struggles. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's unfortunate to see him get off to a slow start. Hopefully he'll get it going. Um, I've watched some of the games, and, 
you know, some of the, some of the at-bats just haven't looked great. You know, he, he had the doubles. It was a nice shot. It was a, you know, one hopper off the left field, but outside of that, he's got one walk to 11 strikeouts and uh, just kind of struggling at the plate. I know it's his first like actual baseball in, you know, on a team in probably, you know, three or four years with the, you know, defecting and then how long it took him to sign and all that stuff. So just, just, uh, you know, it's kind right. of the guy we were looking forward to kind of a rough first week. So you just hit on something I was going to say was, you know, the fact that he hasn't played team sports like this in such a long time because of the defecting and, you know, the whole COVID situation, which, you know, delayed the signing and everything, man. Plus he's switching positions. I mean, he's not a shortstop by trade. He's more so an outfielder. So, you know, all of that combined with him probably just being a little overzealous, you know, and and just wanting to attack the ball as much as possible because man, that 11 strikeouts to only one walk, but that just also kind of shows you that he, he's really he, – he could probably be pressing and just wants to get in the groove. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, it, and it's only going to take, you know, a couple of good games and he'll probably probably start getting it going, get his confidence going a little bit. Another right. guy we'll, we'll kind of look at on uh, on the, the hooks real quick is uh, Greg Kessinger. That's a guy that we, we talked about as a player to watch, you know, this year. Um, you know, good work ethic, high baseball IQ, baseball bloodline and everything. And he's already got two homers in five games this year uh, with the hooks. And, you know, in 2019, I think he played in 62 games overall, maybe 60 or 62 after the draft. And he had two homers in the 60 games. So nice to see a little power surge from him because uh, he's a guy that I think a lot of Astros fans probably don't know a lot about, but a guy that just seems like he has a high floor and is going to make it to the big leagues one way or another. Yeah, you know, I think I can't remember if you and I talked about this uh, about a year or so ago, but the one guy that seems like he draws a lot of comparisons to is Mark Loretta. Do you remember him? Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. he's, but see, with Mark Loretta, Mark Loretta was really like an on base type of guy, uh, hit for a high or a decent average. Um, I mean, he could definitely be that, but like you just said, he, he's already matched his his home run total from uh, a few seasons ago already in the first week of this season. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how he does. Um, middle infielder, I believe he's normally a shortstop, but they have him at second because of Leon. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, interchangeable there, but still, uh, still some 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 good stuff coming from him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so on the pitching side, uh, one one guy we'll look at who uh, we got a question about later as well, but Enoli Paredes, he's he's on a rehab stint down in Corpus, and so far he's pitched in two games. He's gone three innings and he struck out six. So his last outing. They had him go ahead and, and do a, a two-inning out, and he struck out five. So uh, he, he's probably pretty much ready to go ahead and, you know, come on up to the Major League Club. I did read something that said they wanted him to pitch in back-to-back games uh, to see how his uh, – I guess how his body would handle it. Uh, but so far, you know, all signs are pointing to, you know, to getting uh, Paredes back with a big league club, which in our next segment when we talk about the Astros, we'll, we'll kind of hint on why that might be yeah. pretty important. Oh, yeah. His, his return will be a welcome addition to the bullpen right now. So one other top prospect that is down in double-A uh, that a lot of people are excited to see, Hunter Brown had his first start, uh, I believe it was yesterday, and he went three innings, mm-hmm. gave up four runs, struck out five, first, first you know, start following the draft. And uh, so, I mean, you know, not the best performance, but it's early. Uh, still nice to see, you know, the good strikeout numbers. And he's he's the youngest pitcher on uh, on the hook staff, believe it or not, even though he you know was just drafted. But a couple of solid performances from J.P. France, uh, Jonathan Bermudez, a um, couple, you know, so the the overall the uh, the hook staff has been pitching pretty solid, but the bats have just they've been kind of behind. And you know, just have to remember right now in uh, in the minor leagues they're playing six game series, so their first series was against the San Antonio Missions, and they're playing six games in a row. Uh, so they're they're off tomorrow. The hooks are the uh, Tourist and the Woodpeckers are all off tomorrow. Uh, they played their six games with with the team. So if you get matched up against a team that has 
either really good hitting or really good pitching, you know, you're going to see that in the numbers. And it's it's hard to tell early on, but maybe the missions just have a really good pitching staff because the hooks bats have really struggled so far. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I was just going to say, you know, like whenever one goes hot, the other one tends to go cold and then vice versa. It's a long season. It's going to even itself out. But yeah, those six game series, that's going to be something that um, across minor league uh, baseball that teams are going to have to start getting used to. It's almost like little league-ish, but, you know, I guess there's a reason yeah. for it. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, limit uh, maybe the exposure, the travel. You know, you you got one travel right. day, you play six days in a row at the same spot. So um, I bet the minor leaguers are, are probably pretty prompt for it, really. You know, if, you, if you're at home, that means you get a, a full week at home with one day off. Um, and you don't have to worry about, you know, going to sleep, you know, getting playing a Thursday game, finishing at 11 o'clock, having to take a bus four hours away, getting there Friday morning you have that one travel day and that's it. And, and realistically, I, I don't know if they're going to travel on a Monday or tra- uh, travel after the Sunday game's over, uh, but just, yeah, it, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're really enjoying that aspect yeah. of it. So absolutely. We'll jump down to uh, to high next Asheville tourist. Uh, the first thing I want to say before we even look at any numbers, did you see Luis Santana's backflip? Yeah. Oh yeah. You texted it to me, saw it on Twitter. It was amazing. Man, that was that I've was never awesome. Seen anything and, like that from an adult. Yeah, and the, the crazy part about it is like he had a home run in the first inning and a home run in the third inning, and I think that was on the home run of the third inning. But like, you know, you expect that if a guy hits like a big homer in the eighth to take the lead or a walk off or whatever the case is. No, it's just a two run shot in the third inning, his second home run of the game. But I don't know if maybe the other team was talking a lot of mess because you know he really showed a lot of emotion out there. But I don't. E- either way, I love seeing it. I love seeing him get pumped up like that. You know, he was even around in the around in the bases the entire time he was pumped. And um, nice to see a guy like, you know, he's a guy we got in the, the J.D. Davis trade and a guy that has had some really good numbers, struggled a little bit in 19. Um, but so far, he, he's kind of he's kind of proven himself. He's in high A at, at 21 years old. He's already got two homers um, through four games. So nice to see. And, you know, the, it, uh, there was a lot of buzz. I saw it all over, you know, MLB posting in Barstool and all these guys posting the bat flip. So I'm sure that was like kind of a cool moment for him. You know, he's a young prospect. He hops on Twitter and he sees his bat flip is all over the internet. Yeah. And I mean, like he, uh, obviously his play is going to get his name on the, uh, you know, out there, but gosh, that's another way to get your name out there is to have a crazy bat flip like that. That'll get people talking. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, it, it's good to see from him, man. I mean, like, that's a prospect a lot of people aren't really familiar with. Um, but, like we said a couple of weeks ago, there's a lot of – I mean, without minor league baseball this past season, this past year, um, a lot of guys have that opportunity now to go make a name for themselves whenever the minor league baseball world has been quiet since 2019. And he yeah, could be one of them. Definitely. And so I think the tourists are going to be a, a team to watch this year. You know, looking at yeah. who they have and if Santana's bringing around, but they got, they got Nova on the team, you know, shortstop prospect who – um, draw those comps to Hanley Ramirez and Edgar Renteria mm-hmm. and stuff. But he started the season hot so far. He's hitting 400. He's got a homer, a double, and he's only struck out a couple times. Um, Alex McKenna was, a, I believe, a second-round pick a few years ago. It was really solid following the draft. Ended up struggling with some injuries, and I think he had some kind of hand or wrist injury. So there was concerns there about, man, you know, McKenna's uh, is his power going to return or is it going to take a while to return? Well, so far this year, he's got two doubles, two homers, hitting 353. And it's early, and we're not going to draw conclusions, but it's just nice to see these guys come out swinging the bat well. You know, Corey Lee's five for 17, got a double. Colin Barber, 20 years old in high A, and he's got two homers, five RBIs, and, you know, four walks in four games. So some really good offensive performances out of a, a really young Asheville tourist, you know, high A club. So I think that'll be the club for right now until promotions happen that'll that'll you know people are really going to want to keep their eye on 
Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, like as soon as I looked up their stats for the week, I wanted to uh, check on Corey Lee. Obviously, we, I mean, the Santana thing, that was just amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you hit it with Alex McKenna. That's somebody that I'd forgotten about until uh, earlier this season, whenever you and I were, you know, discussing it again and just talking about him and everything. So yeah, man, that's where, you know, it tends to be like, that's where it is around baseball. We talked about this a few years ago. It seems like a lot of teams have a lot of their top prospects at the double A level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that could be the same with us, especially if we get uh, uh, Corey Lee going, you know? Yeah. And it, you know, the, the promotions will, the promotions will end up coming and it will, have to see how aggressive the Astros will be with some of these prospects, you know, especially the ones that um, are like McKenna's 23 years old in high A, you know, and uh, but he's tearing the cover off the ball and the hooks are struggling. So do they look at potentially promoting him up to double A and, and getting him up there pretty quick? We'll, we'll have to see how they, how they, uh, you know, how they do things. We haven't really seen a, a full season with uh, James Click and, and how he runs a minor league season um, on the pitching yeah, side of things. Point. Not, not a lot uh, noteworthy so far for the Taurus. Uh, their pitching staff has really struggled. Um, no, like, you know, super top prospects there. You got Tyler Brown, who was a high draft pick um, a couple of years ago, and he struggled a little bit in his first start. He did strike out five and four innings. Um, so, so not too much to note there. We'll go ahead and drop down to the last level, which is the Fayetteville Woodpeckers. And um, unfortunately, they're struggling. They're, they're one in five, um, but they do have some guys that are going to be fun to keep your eye on. And the first one that comes to mind is J.C. Correa, Carlos Correa's younger brother. And he's already got his first homer. Um, he's not, he's only, you know, he's got a double homer, struck out three times in four games, but, you know, he's, he's already shown a little bit of that talent um, that led to him getting drafted. And it would have been interesting to see if it wasn't for the 2020 draft and the COVID situation, where would he have gone? Because the Astros signed him right. as an undrafted free agent, but he may have, you know, gone a lot higher than, uh, than he did the last couple of years. Yeah, for sure. J.C. Correa is one. Joe Perez is a guy you and I have talked about a couple of times um, over the last few weeks in the on the podcast. Uh, he's another guy down there as well. But see, that's going to be the level, I think, where you're going to see a lot of movement out of. I mean, it's the lowest level. You're going to see guys that, get, that graduate from that level pretty quickly, and then some that get demoted down there probably for rehab stuff and just to kind of get back on track, you know. But those are the two names that I'm really looking at. Uh, J.C. Correa, obviously, and then Joe Perez. Yeah, so Shea Whitcomb is a, another one. He, he the Astros drafted him uh, last year, and you know, so we didn't get to see him ball in the draft. But uh, quick three games, he's hitting three eighty five. So that's nice to see. Nario Rodriguez is a, a young catcher, twenty one years old, and he's already drawn eight walks in five games. So nice to see that as well. So um, the overall, the team has struggled, but there has been some solid performances and some guys that you know we're gonna. We're going to keep our eye on Zach Daniels. Uh, was another draft player last drafted player last year. He homered today. Um, Matthew Barefoot, another drafted player recently. He's got a couple homers. So nice to see some some offensive numbers despite you know the overall team struggle. On the pitching side, it, it's a it's a young staff. Um, it's an inexperienced staff. It's a lot of uh, international prospects. So guys that are probably going to be a lot of up and down. We're going to see some guys that pitch really well one game and then struggle the next. And you know they're just going to be working their way through those through those struggles. So one name that. I didn't really know a lot about them. I'm looking more into is Jamie Melendez. He's 19 years old. Um, and he pitched, uh, I believe it was yesterday, the day before four innings, one hit, no run, no walk, six strikeouts. And I'm like, man, I, where oh, wow. is this guy coming from? You know, 19 year old, he's smaller. He's five, eight, one ninety. Um, but you know, he pitched in, in the Dominican, uh, Dominican summer league back in 2019. And now you stateside at ni- or, uh, at 19 years old, which that's a good sign. You know, we, we talked about the depth of, of pitching the Astros have had, but to be on an affiliated team right now at 19 years old and not back in, in Florida, still you know, still in extended spring training or however you want to word it, uh, is a really good sign for him. 
Yeah. And that's one thing that we talked about with Jim Callis last week or some of these guys that are young for the uh, level that they're at, but they're still tearing it up, whether it be on the pitching side or with a bat. And he could be another one. I mean, like you just said, small sample size, it's only one game, but I mean, that's, that's a good line for, for one game, man. So, you know, just, just one of those things to keep an eye on. Yep, definitely. So we, we talked about uh, doing some talk, uh, some stock up or stock down and I'm not going to get into a stock down. It's too early to to get down on somebody after, you know, four or five games. Um, I do think we can look at guys, and we've talked about them, the guys that have performed well, and, you know, you can sit here in your head and say, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this guy, and, and their stock is probably going to rise. But we talked about an Alex McKenna, the way he's swinging it, uh, Brett Conine having a really good start in a hitter-friendly park, and then Colin Barber, a guy that I think a lot of us were – high on coming into the season and he's in high a at 20 years old and, and he's already got a couple homers to see that power so those guys uh, if you had to choose a stock up they're probably on that list right now um but you know we'll we'll continue moving forward and then next yeah. week you get a couple two three four weeks in and then we can really start looking at whose stock is going up and down yeah for sure i mean you're right one week into the season we can't already throw someone in uh, on the bad side and just start saying stock down but but yeah, I mean, we, we got to get that type of um, consistency going to see what's going on. Yep. So coming right up, we'll look at how the Astros have performed over the last week and talk about the heated series in New York. And we'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop us a review or leave us some stars. So as we were leaving the last segment, we kind of hinted at talking about the Astros and how they performed this week. And from where we were sitting last time, they've gone three and three, but it feels like over the weekend they, they started playing a little bit better baseball. But we'll back it up to the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday series against the Yankees, the first time in New York since all this cheating scandal and the buzzer and all that stuff. And um, it, it had a playoff atmosphere to it. it. It was it was heated. You could tell that you know both players, especially on the Yankee side, really wanted to win those games. You know, and and uh, unfortunately the Astros only won one of the three. But what's your what's your initial take on that series? My initial take is that the Yankees feel like they've won the World Series in May. I mean, their fans, the players. Um, we don't talk, and I don't think it gets talked enough about. And this is just a sidebar thing, but how I don't know what word to use, but just ridiculous. Aaron Boone is as a manager. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other thing altogether. But but that man. I mean, okay, I get it. You think that Altuve is wearing a buzzer. They would have gotten mowed down by the Nationals in the World Series anyway, probably in five or six games, because that pitching, they're hitting, mm -hmm. their bats get silenced by by superior pitching more yep. often than not. I mean, look at Judge. He, he's had, what, like one hit in the last six games or something like that? I mean, yeah, two I saw a stat. I don't he's remember. never had a walk-off hit in his career. Yeah, it's That's just crazy. like, yeah, but I mean, Yankee fans, they just, dude, like everyone is always saying how Yankees fans suck, they're rude, all this other junk. I mean, that, that kind of is like a, a common thing that people think of with just New Yorkers. But just not just that, dude. They're just not knowledgeable. I mean, there's a lot of information out there about the whole cheating scandal, about Altuve, whether or not he wore a wire, mm -hmm. which was started by that one moron whose name I won't mention. Yep. But, um, you know, just for, for attention. And it's it's been proven that he didn't do it. It's just, you know what I mean? Like, that whole series wasn't about baseball. It was just about their fans throwing a little fit. I don't know if you know if you saw that one security guard who had to pull the Yankee fan down yeah, from that. the left field wall because mm -hmm. he's sitting there damn near crawling over it to give Brantley the finger. Brantley, who wasn't – he was a Cleveland Indian whenever yep. that happened. 
so um you know just just insane stuff yeah, dude. just I ridiculous I, I don't understand you know the the chance of f altuve and stuff you know and, and if you look at all the numbers and, and stuff the 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 ones that uh tony adams i believe he compiled them mm-hmm. altuve barely used the scandal and was completely against it you know and then the buzzer rumor came out and it's just like i i'm not i'm not like against foul language or anything but you go you you pay a premium right to probably go to a baseball game in new york and you you chant F Altuve like that's literally what you you go there to. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. You're you're chanting F Altuve to like a grown adult who's won an MVP in a World Series, and I don't know if that makes you feel better. And if that's, I mean, if that's the case, then I guess more power to you. But you know, well, that's what I mean. There, there's a lot of people. Around. It just it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And it was it was frustrating that series because you know Zach Greinke started that first game and uh, gave up three runs in the first inning, I think. And then the game was close, and then they got that error by Bregman in the sixth inning where he, he, he did a bare hand on the ball, and it got past Guriel. They ended up scoring three runs uh, that inning that, you know, after that, after two outs. And so that first loss was frustrating. The second one, Luis Garcia was solid, struck out eight. Unfortunately, we had to rely on the bullpen in a tight game late, and Brooks Raley got rocked, gave up three runs, and, uh, you know, they lost that one late. But then – Go to Thursday, the day game, and the Astros and Altuve finally got some redemption. You know, we facing off against Garrett Cole, McCullers Cole um, battle we had going on, and and Jordan man <laughs> hitting two home runs off of a guy who is probably you know going to finish top two, top three in the Cy Young this year if he keeps pitching like he is right now. Uh, man, that was really good to see, and you know, and, and we saw it throughout the weekend too. But he is he is really starting to light it up. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, that was a good at bat for Altuve, especially it being on his birthday. It saved the series for for the uh, for the Astros. It really would have been nice to have to have won that series. But like I said, we treated as just another series. The Yankees thought it was the World Series, so you know, I guess congrats to them for winning the World Series in May. Yeah, yeah, and and, and you know, I'll hit on it because uh, you mentioned the Altuve homer. You know, so they're down three to two, top of the eighth inning. Altuve comes up with two on and, and gets a pitch that's like literally at his shoulders. And he drives out. It actually kind of reminded me of that home run that he had off of Kent Meta in the World Series. It was like a real high pitch, and he drove it deep to left center. Um, but yeah. I, I'm sure you saw the video. The guy, the guy afterwards, he's in the outfield, and after after you know Altuve hits the home run, he's like, "It's an Astros fan." He's saying, "You know, F Altuve," and everyone's looking around. He's like, "Oh, we're not we're not doing that anymore." You know, <laughs> <laughs> so that that was good stuff. And, and I don't remember his name. I remember seeing the video on on, uh, on Twitter, but really good stuff. You know, the Astros fans. Went to New York and and uh, it looks like they took everything the Yankees had to throw at them and fortunately we were able to walk away with the win and I I just walk away from that series feeling like the Astros are still the better team and and especially if they're fully healthy and you have Valdez back and you know some some other guys so um, overall yeah well, it, I know I, I it was frustrating to lose a series but you know I, I definitely think that we're still the better team that's like all bias aside and everything man but I mean it I'm telling you man they put all that they had into that series. And it was just for these weird, weird reasons, you know, like, do you remember that bullshit kind of press conference that they had in, in New York where a play, it was clearly a planted question where someone asked Aaron judge how he feels about not winning the MVP. Now that he mm-hmm. thinks back on it, you know, they yep. know what was going on. They knew who was doing it, that they weren't doing it as well with Beltron a year or so before that. It's just ridiculous. It's just all the posturing and, and all this grandeur just to, basically appease their fans that's really what it comes down to their fans are pissed off so they got to play along you know what i mean oh yeah so anyway you know the astros came home after that after that series and uh, like i said it was nice to altuve to get that homer on his birthday come home with the win they go into uh into houston they're here friday 
uh, play the Blue Jays, and you know the offense really just just took over and uh, and won that game for us. Guriel goes four for four, Bregman three for four, Altuve with a couple of base hits, and he's starting to he's starting to heat up a little bit. Correa had a home run, and uh, man, overall just a good game to to get home to have the fans behind you after the three days in New York, and um, you know, and or, or Kitty I think pitched solid, allowed two two yep. earned runs over seven innings, and you know, he's got his ERA down to three point five one now, and. You know, he's he's right now he's out. I mean, besides probably Javier, but he's looking like the most consistent starter on the staff. Well, yeah, he's the guy that I was telling you. I, I love watching him pitch, man. He's just he he doesn't he's not going to blow you away with anything, but he's solid. Mm-hmm. He's just solid. And, and I really like watching him pitch. It's a joy to do that. But he's um, it was good to see that the offense came back home and started tearing the ball off, you know, just like. You know, after that first home series, whenever people were thinking, okay, well, we never hit really well at home, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. It was just nice to see us start hitting well at home right now. And we still have two more series. We have uh, the Angels and then the Rangers are coming to town. Uh, we don't have a day off until uh, next Monday. So, um, well, hopefully the, the offense will keep it going and the pitching will uh, be solid as well. Yeah, because, you know, Saturday, Christian Javier got the start, and that was his first, like, kind of rough start of the season. Gave up mm-hmm. five runs, gave up a couple homers. Um, then the bullpen was solid for a couple innings. Then you move into the, I believe it was the eighth inning or the or top of the ninth. Uh, top of the ninth, yeah, it was five to four. Astros are kind of making a comeback. You're hoping to go into the bottom line down down one run. And Brooks Raley comes in, Joe Smith comes in and relieves him. And then together they end up giving three runs. And the Astros lose that one eight to four. And I think, you know, like we talked about in the first segment, Anoli Paredes coming back. And it, that's going to be big because it just kind of bumps everyone down. You know, he's a guy that, um, we'll have to see more of him, but last year in 2020, you know, he, he pitched well and, um, we just need another consistent arm in the bullpen. Cause it feels like if, I mean, it, it really feels like every two out of three games we're seeing, you know, Joe Smith in there, or Brooks Raley in there, and they're giving up runs every time they're in, you know, I think Brooks Raley, both his runs were unearned, but even then his ERA is still over nine. So the Astros really need some reinforcements in the pin. Yeah, and I mean, the fact that we've been able to tread water right now while still maintaining a winning record with a lot of injuries that we've had, um, that really speaks speaks in a, in a really positive way. But yeah, man, I mean, God, every time the bullpen is imploding, it seems like Brooks Raley or Joe Smith are the ones right behind it, you know, and yep. then yesterday just happened to be both of them. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we talked about who will get bumped out. I mean, we'll, yeah, I guess we can answer that in the next segment yeah. whenever we have that question, but uh, yeah. So we'll move on to today. The Astros uh, won, won seven to four, um, and really it was like it, it felt like a little bit of a redemption game for for Kyle Tucker, only because you know, we talked about how much bad luck he has, and he comes up after drawing a walk or his first plate appearance. The second per- uh, plate appearance, he you know drills a ball to right field, and it goes right between the first ba- baseman's legs, and and they ruled it a triple, rightfully so, because it was hit at like hundred and three or hundred four miles per hour, so hard ball to stop. So finally, some good luck. Next inning, he comes up. He's got two guys on, works a 3-0 count. They give him the green light, and then he just crushes a ball to, to the you know upper deck. So I got a, a reply after talking about Tucker uh, about how he still thinks the Astros hold on to prospects too long, and that's why you know they struggle and they held on to Derek Fisher too long. And I, I just don't get it. I mean, like Kyle Tucker, despite the struggles – Still has six homers this year and still drove in 20 runs. And it's only May 9th. Like the guy, you know, the guy is still, he's still being a, you know, he's still producing. He's still driving in runs, playing solid defense out in right field. He was a gold glover or gold glove, uh, you know, finalist last year. So I don't, I just don't get the, we're holding on to him too long and we need to cut him. That's a, uh, that's a bad take. 
that's just a that's that's a take from like 10 to 15 years ago whenever it actually did happen but mm-hmm. in the Derek Fisher situation is completely different and you know that we don't even oh, yeah. have to go into that too much yep. but and they yeah, but they, yeah, tra- no. they traded him <laughs> yeah exactly i mean they, they, he had no spot man with yeah. the, the amount of outfielders that we traded over the years because they don't have a spot ramon loriano uh teoscar hernandez who i know that you were yep. always you've always been high on him um, who was just in town with Toronto, yep. but, um, but no, no, that's not the case. And, and Kyle Tucker is going to make a lot of people look silly, dude. If he hasn't already, I mean, I know that his numbers don't look great right now, but you know, it's coming around. Oh, yeah, He's going to go sure. through a couple of hot streaks here pretty soon. He may be in the middle of starting one right now. Yep. I mean, that yep. Homer today, good God. <laughs> look like Barry Bonds up there hitting. <laughs> you know, and uh, talking about hot streaks. So Altuve, we, we, Knew he was struggling. He was, uh, he, I think, going into that game Thursday against the Yankees. He was, he had a, a rough stretch. I don't remember what the exact numbers are, but after a two for five day at the plate today, he's up to two eighty three. I mean, he's yeah. only, you know, he's only three or four good games away from being back above three hundred. And uh, you know, and then and then people just eat and grow. All the fans that think he's he's you know crap because he doesn't have a buzzer or whatever. So man, it just you know he's he's such a good dude. And he's like he's he's been he's been nothing but like a, a good role model to Houston, right? I hate seeing him get all this hate, and I just I can't wait until he hits that hot stretch and we see prime Altuve where he's hitting three thirty, and people you know and people are saying whatever the heck they want to say. Well, because that's what's going to have to happen, dude. They're, they're, we're going to have to have players that do that to the point that they're doing it so much that those you know cries of a buzzer or trash can banging just kind of gets just fizzled out because no one really pays attention to it anymore, you know. And and you know honestly, I wonder if we're going to need like not need but we're going to have a guy that has to win a tie, like an MVP, you know, like a Bregman or hell, even Yuli. Look at Yuli's numbers so far. Man, um, you know, and a guy that's been freaking crushing the ball right now and he's starting to get hot is Jordan Alvarez. The dude's hitting oh, yeah. 362. So, I mean, you're talking about probably the best – I mean, I don't think it's a probably – the best power hitter on the Astros right now, you know, right, Jordan absolutely. Alvarez. And he's hitting 362. The guy, like, today, you know, he, he gets behind two strikes in the count and then he drops a single into center field. Gets behind two strikes in the count – Drives a double to left center. The, the guy's incredible, man. Dude, his slugging percentage is almost seven hundred. It's amazing. Yeah, it, yeah. And, he, and, and you know, and he still hasn't played a full a full season yet. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm telling you, man. Weight wise, it's not the case, but he's basically like a David Ortiz type of player. Mm-hmm. It's strictly a DH, so you get to you don't have to worry about having to play defense unless you're you know interleague and playing a national league team or something like that, man. But he's got that power, dude. Yep, and for it's sure. Effortless. That one he hit the uh, was it today when he went to the conference uh, for the two run shot yesterday yesterday yep. if you just look it, was, it looked like it was almost all wrists you know yeah. it's amazing but, for sure yeah so talking about we we mentioned the bullpen struggling a little bit but we'll talk about today five innings <sighs> only two hits didn't walk yep. anybody struck out seven so really nice to see a good bullpen game and pick up Zach Greinke and. Yeah. Um, Andre Scrub, uh, Scrub looked really, really good. Stanek and Presley have looked solid just like they have all season. So, you know, Scrub is – he struggled a little bit early, but his last couple outings have been better. And if he could ever just get those walks down, you know, he's got – that curveball is killer, man. And, and you know, he, hopefully he can kind of pencil himself into that sixth, seventh inning role since we got Stanek and Presley in the, you know, the the, the later innings. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure, man. I mean, like – Yesterday, it's like a tale of two bullpens. You know, yesterday you have, like you said, we were down by one run, and I didn't get to see the first half of the game. But whenever we were kind of watching it towards the end and uh, you and I were texting, it, it ends up being 5-4, but then they go and throw up a four spot, or no, a three spot in the top of the ninth. I'm like, okay, well, it's probably not going to end well now. But you, you, I was already looking at the lineup to just see, like, okay, who's coming up from the bottom of the ninth? And we had the bottom of the order, so I was just trying to, like, look and see 
who Dusty was going to pinch hit for Maldonado or whatever, you know. But yesterday that was that bullpen. Today it's just nails, dude. And especially whenever we needed it, like you said, because Granky had another short start. So it was definitely helpful. Yep. And if they can, if they can continue to, you know, the, if we can continue to get a, a solid, you know, solid bullpen performances, I think the Astros are really going to start reeling off a bunch more wins. And hopefully right. that comes with, you know, the guys getting consistency, but hopefully that comes with also, you know, Anoli Paredes getting back up. And um and guys just starting to hit a little bit of stride. I mean, Brooks Raley and Joe Smith, they're they're they've really struggled, but I don't think they're as bad as they're pitching. You know, I know Smith is is older and Rayleigh was solid last year, but you know, I mean, Joe Smith's probably not an eight ERA guy. You know, he's probably had some bad oh, yeah. luck. So so hopefully, hopefully those guys will start to turn it around a little bit. Well, yeah, Joe Smith is, is definitely not um as bad as he's pitching right now. He's just had a horrible start to the season. Brooks Raley, like you said, it's only his second year here in Houston, and last year was such a, uh, a shortened season. He still pitched well last year, but, you know, you, you do kind of wonder, like, what would it have looked like over the course of 162 games? Yep, yep, for sure. So in our next segment, we're going to answer some questions from Twitter, and we'll get to that after the jump. And welcome back here and in here at the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media. This segment, we're going to answer some questions from Twitter, and we got some good ones to look at. So, I'll ask you first, Brian. The first question came in from Michael, and he says, who gets option when Anoli Paredes comes back, which it appears he's probably going to be coming back really soon after how he's performed so far in Corpus. Okay, so you and I tossed this around. Um, we looked at the, you know, the, the, the roster. There's not a lot of guys with options right now. A lot of the – so, like, you know, normally you just look and see who maybe is pitching decently, not blowing anybody away. Um, and you're just going to say, okay, well, we're going to option him down to AAA because he has an option left. There's really not anybody like that. I know the two biggest uh, players that fans are going to want to say is, is Joe Smith and Brooks Raley. Neither one have an option left. And like we just got finished saying about Joe Smith, he's definitely not an eight ERA type mm-hmm. of guy. He had a, a huge track record of success in Cleveland. He had it here, um, uh, you know, before the injury and everything. You, you know, it, my guess is it's going to end up being somebody like a, uh, I mean, like if could Brooks Raley get real outright released or DFA? Sure. You still have Ken Emanuel in the bullpen who is a lefty in case they want to do that lefty on lefty matchup. Um, Ken Emanuel has a uh, option left. He could get, um, you know, option down. So who do I think? What do I think will happen? I don't think anyone's going to get DFA'd, but I, I can't really answer that with who I think will, it will happen with because I just, you know, James Click is so new here, even though it's only a second year, you know, normally with like a Luno or something, we could kind of figure it out. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, we, we, we threw around, you know, maybe a Brandon Belak because he's, he's a guy who can start not getting a ton of innings right now. So maybe they want to make sure he's still, you know, you know, getting outings in uh, right. down in AAA. But um, yeah, Ken Emanuel is maybe another option, but, you know, he's pitching well and you don't necessarily want to go ahead and take the ball to his hand just yet. Yeah, for sure. And that, that's the thing is like you don't really want to move someone down who is pitching well or maybe on the cusp of really breaking out like an Andre Scrub. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so that's a tough one to answer. It, you know, gun to the head. And if I have to give an answer, which, you know, anytime you see these kinds of things on TV or, or even on the radio, you really want them to give an answer. I would say that it's going to end up being somebody with an option, maybe a scrub or maybe Kent Emanuel. My guess would be Kent Emanuel. In, um, I, I don't, I hope that's not the case because I'd rather just see him. Look at his inning today. He looked great. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the next question we got was from a, a good friend of both of ours, Ben DeVos, who asked Garcia, Luis Garcia is inevitably, uh, inevitably going to be going to the pin whenever, you know, we get the rotation healthy, a framber Valdez, maybe Jake Odorizzi getting healthy. Um, 
so he mentioned, you know, where, where would he fall in really with uh, was under Andre Scrub and Stanek and Presley? And I know both of us are, are high on, uh, very high on Luis Garcia, and, and he's looked really solid this year. You know, and he's got he's got good stuff. And I'm really interested to see how his stuff plays up if he's pitching in a, in a one inning. You know, he's a big guy. He's he's running it up to 96 in his starts. You know, what's he do if he's if he knows he's got 20 pitches or 30 pitches? You know, he's out there hitting maybe a little higher than that. So right. I do think he's a guy that can end up taking some high leverage situations. He pitched in in New York and pitched pretty well there. You know, with all the crowd and all the stuff that they were having going on. So. Um, Scrub is looking like he's kind of turning the corner a little bit. He's been pitching a lot better. We know Stanek and Presley are the top two in there, but I do think Garcia would be right up there with Scrub and um, and the guys that you know maybe Dusty starts trusting later in games. And then you know Brian Abreu too. He's been pitching a lot better recently. So that once we get healthy and we can get Valdez back and you know get maybe Odorizzi back pitching well, I think overall that's going to help in our pen because we will bump some of those guys like Garcia into maybe a one or two inning role. Yeah, for sure. And see, like, that's what I was going to say is, you know, the fact that he has been stretched out, he, he is throwing multiple innings now, you do kind of wonder if he's going to be that guy that they need for, um, you know, like, like, like today, whenever Granky had to get removed a little bit earlier than usual, and you need a guy out there to bridge yourself until the sixth inning or so, that could be him, you know what I mean? Yep. He, could he also pitch the sixth or seventh inning? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, he's proven that he's a, a big league pitcher. So, uh, I, you know, that's a good problem to have is determining whether or not what's the best uh, position for him, you know, long reliever, multiple inning guy, or just, you know, harness that stuff for one inning. Yep. Yep. So the next question we got was from Ryan. He, he asked what percentage of games should a Lidmus Diaz start? So, you know, Diaz, man, we, we just talked about it a little bit ago, but man, he's, He's he's just a he's a really good player to have on your team. He can literally play all over the field. We saw him make a catch up against the wall yesterday in left field, um, and and just started playing the outfield. He plays all infield positions well, and he's hitting the ball well, timely hitting. So, if I had to take a stab at that, it's hard to put a percentage on there, but he should probably be starting one to two games a week. Like it, you know, I don't know right. what percentage I would break out to, you know, and it's hard because normally you'd want to use the DH as a, a way to get some guys off, you know, so. It, it, we, we've seen that in the past where you would rotate that DH, but now that you got Jordan Alvarez, there is no rotating the DH. He's your guy. So maybe right. use Diaz to give those days off. And we've seen that. We've seen him start in place of uh, Brantley and left yesterday. We've seen him start in place of Bregman and, and Correa, now Tuve. So um, I do think he should probably be getting a little bit more playing time. And, you know, if he's hitting the ball well, and we need to find a way to get, you know, keep him out there. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, you and I were talking about this earlier. Aletmus Diaz is exactly what you want in a platoon guy or a, um, you know, like a like a utility type player. He can play all over the place, man. Mm -hmm. And he's consistent wherever he's playing at. It's not like if you put him in a certain spot, he's going to be less than what he would be somewhere else. Mm -hmm. He's just a solid overall player, man. He's like you said earlier off the um, off recording, but he, he's basically like our Marwin Gonzalez, you know. Marwin was consistent. Uh, he was dependable, and that's what Aledemus Diaz is becoming. For sure, definitely. So yeah, yeah I would a, agree with a, you. Though. Man, really under the radar, you know, move to 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 you know bring him in, and um, yeah, he's been he's been a great player, a, a great addition to the team. So the next question, but I agree we got, with you though. Oh, you know, ahead, one sorry. to two games a week. I was just gonna say, I do agree. One to two games a week is probably perfect for him. I think that's what he's already doing anyway. So just stick with it, man. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So the next question we got was from, I put his Twitter handle here because I thought it was kind of funny. It was <laughs> at Astros, please win. So the, he asked, which rookie will have the biggest impact this year? And I know me and you kind of talked about this when the questions came in, but one guy 
for sure that I think we've already seen the impact in. It's Luis Garcia. We just talked about him. Mm -hmm. He still has rookie status. He's got an ERA in the threes. He's striking out, you know, more than a guy in the inning. So he's going to be on the big league club no matter what. doesn't matter if he gets pushed out of the rotation or not. So he's probably a guy who will have the biggest impact. Um, but I know, you know, I'll let you take it from here. And I know you had some thoughts when we kind of discussed it before. But what's your take on that? Well, um, obviously, Luis Garcia, like you just said, you know, you, you and I are both very high on him. Kent Emanuel is another guy, even though the first question that we had, I, he was my answer for who possibly gets optioned down mm -hmm. whenever uh, Inoli comes back. Um, Kent Emanuel is a guy who could end up, uh, you know, having the biggest impact as a rookie. I mean, look at his debut. He essentially pitched a complete game, eight and two thirds, you know, whatever. But, and he's been consistent since then. He's been really well. He's been dependable, been playing really well. Um, but, you know, the answer to that question could be somebody that's not even on the big league roster right now. Somebody like a Tyler Ivey or a, um, a Brett Conine, somebody like that. I mean, you never know what could happen next week and who has to come up here for the rest of the year. But uh, as of now, I think you and I are both on the same page thinking that Luis Garcia is probably going to have the biggest impact. He's already pitched well in the rotation. He looks to be inevitably moving to the bullpen. Um, and I don't see any reason for him to slow down. Agreed, agreed. So the next question we got, uh, which I think will be a pretty easy one to answer, but they asked, yeah. why isn't Pedro Leon in, in Sugarland in AAA and he's in AA? I think the easiest thing to, to 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 answer this is he's 22 years old. He hasn't played in organized baseball in probably three or four years with the process to get out of Cuba and to come over here and then the lengthy time it took to sign him and then the COVID situation. So there's no need to rush him. Like I said, he's 22. If he was a draft-eligible college junior, you know, 22 is like an appropriate age for probably where you would be following the draft, uh, you know, in double A. So uh, it's not like the Astros are holding him back. Um, and if he, if he hits well enough this year, I, I think we'll see him in Sugarland. but I think they're just going to take their time with them. You know, he's, he's, they're not going to treat him probably like they did a Guriel a few years ago where, you know, he was in his thirties coming over, you know, Leon is still 22 years old and still has a lot of potential and a lot of things to work on. So he, he, does he get in Sugarland later this year if he hits the ball well? I think so, but I don't think him being a double A um, is any kind of, you know, I don't think it's any kind of uh, mark on, on his progress or anything like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I would hope that nobody else would think that as well. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, not playing organized team baseball in, in years, man. I mean, we're talking like probably the year we won the World Series may have been the last year he was actually playing, you know, team baseball. So the fact that that is probably the biggest contributing factor. Plus, they need to get him in a role, man. They need to get him back in his groove. Mm -hmm. He needs to get used to playing uh, consistently. He's switching positions, too. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure he'll probably be a double A for most of the year. Um, and then, you know, you may see a late season call up to AAA. Yep. So, Brian, I'm going to let you take this one. So, the next question we got, they, they asked, how long before Jose Siri takes Miles Straw's spot on the roster? So, I think that the main crux of this question was probably more like, how much longer do we have to see Miles Straw every day in center field? Because Jose Siri is not going to take – I don't think he's going to take Miles Straw's spot at any point this season. Um, I think Miles Straw, I mean, like, could the question have been phrased, uh, is Miles Straw in danger of losing his job? Well, absolutely, because he's not playing very well. Um, you know, the, his biggest factor or his biggest plus is his speed, and he's getting thrown out a lot. He's getting thrown out more. He's been thrown out already more than I thought he would be thrown out all year, just because of how fast he is. You know what I mean? Um, answering that question, I don't think he's going to take his spot on a permanent basis at all. Um, could we see Jose Siri come up for a game or two? Sure, but I doubt it. Um, I just don't see Jose Siri being the one to take Miles Straw's spot. Yeah, it feels like the answer to that is almost, yeah, like you said, it's 
who is going to potentially take his spot. Not necessarily Siri. Maybe it's a Ronnie Dawson. Maybe it's a right. – I mean, you know, I don't know if they trust Kyle Tucker in center field, if they wanted to get Diaz more at bats uh, in the outfield or whatever. But, yeah, he it's – you know, if Siri continues to hit the ball well, I, I do think maybe the Astros give him an opportunity, but it's not going to be – it's not going to be any time immediate. So no. the last question we got was, can Robo, uh, Robel Garcia play outfield? So we've seen him <laughs> get a couple spot stars. He started for Altuve. Um, and then today he started at shortstop for Correa. So we've seen him get get a couple um, couple games. So I looked it up. I don't know much about the guy, but I did look it up. In 2019 with the Cubs, he played a total of 22.1 innings in the outfield. So can he play the outfield? I think the answer is yes. But how good he plays the outfield, I'm not really sure. And so far, it doesn't look like the Astros have any intention of using the outfield, uh, using him in the outfield, especially since Diaz has proven that he's capable of handling left field and right field. Well, sure. And see, I think, again, that this is another question that was kind of aimed at how much longer do we have to see Miles Straw in the outfield? You know what I mean? Um, I just, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, can he play the outfield? Well, sure, I'm sure he could. Hell, Lance Berkman played center field for a while. <laughs> it doesn't mean he did it very well, <laughs> you know, but um, no, I just, I don't, I don't think that that's going to be an option for them, especially like you said, with Diaz, we have Diaz out there who could, who's capable. Um, there's just other, there's other bodies that can do that. Yeah, so that, that's the last question we got, and I appreciate you know any listener that that provided any question. Feel free to to always send me a DM or or anything if you have a question. We'll make sure to get to it. Uh, but that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And be sure to follow at Apollo H O U for blogs, merch, video podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast, covering your Astros in the minor league system.